Days 3, 4, and 5 of Think Well on It by Bishop Richard Challoner. Third Day On the Benefits of God Consider first, my soul, how many great and are thy obligations to the bounty of thy God. He has thought of thee from all eternity. He has loved thee from all eternity. All the blessings and favors which he has bestowed upon thee in time, he designated for thee from all eternity. They are all the consequences of his eternal love for thee. It is possible that so great a God, the Most High and Most Holy, who dwells in eternity, should set his affections upon a poor sinful worm of the earth. Is it possible, my soul, that thou shouldest have had a place from all eternity in the heart of thy God, and that this eternal mind should never have been one moment without thinking on thee? Ah, poor wretch, what return hast thou made for this ancient love? How late hast thou loved him who has loved thee from all eternity? How little hast thou thought of him who always thinks on thee? Consider, secondly, that thy God has not only given thee by creation thy soul and body with all their powers and faculties, and in a word, whatever thou art, but also preserves them each moment by the benefits of conservation, which may be called a continual creation, whereas nothing but his almighty hand could give thee this being, so none but he could preserve thee from falling back into thy original nothing, which must infallibly have been thy case, if thy God had but for one moment withdrawn his supporting hand. Poor sinner, why didst thou not think of this, when by thy repeated crimes thou wast waging war against thy God, and he, with incomparable love, was night and day watching over thee? How didst thou dare presume so often, and for so long a time to provoke him, who held the thread of thy life in his hand, and who every moment could have crushed thee into nothing, or cast thee headlong into hell. O blessed for ever by all creatures, be his mercy, for having borne with thee so long. Consider thirdly the inestimable benefit of our redemption, by which our loving God has rescued us from sin and from hell, the just reward of sin. Alas, my poor soul, we must have been lost for ever, had not the Sovereign Lord and Maker of heaven and earth loved us to that degree as to deliver himself up to the most cruel and ignominious death of the cross for our redemption. Greater love than this no man hath, that one lay down his life for his friend. St. John 15.13 But, O dear Lord, thou hast carried thy love much farther in dying for those who by sin were thy declared enemies in dying for such ungrateful wretches as would scarce ever thank thee for thy love and seldom or never so much as pity or take any notice of thy sufferings ah christian which shall we most admire this great monarch of heaven and earth in comparison with whom the whole creation is nothing or rather less than nothing, expiring on a cross for such despicable worms as we are, or those who believe this amazing truth, yet take so little notice of such immense love. 
which must be a just subject of astonishment to men and angels for all eternity. Consider forcefully how much we are indebted to God for having called us to the true faith, preferable to so many millions, whom he has left behind in darkness and the shades of death. Alas, poor souls, how deplorable is their condition, void as they are of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, or of his only spouse, the true Catholic Church. How little do they think of God, or of the life to come. With how little apprehension or remorse do they run on from sin to sin, and die impenitent. Ah, the goodness of God, that has not suffered us to fall into such misery, though born and bred up amidst the people seduced by error. For if we have also had the misfortune like our neighbors to have gone astray from the womb, has by a more distinguishing mercy drawn us out of the dragon's jaws and brought us to his fold, the Catholic Church. Blessed be our God for ever for all his mercies. Oh, what an inestimable happiness it is to have by means of this grace of vocation, God himself for our Father, and his holy church for our mother, to pass this transitory life in the happy society of the only spouse of God's only Son, to be daily partakers of the sacraments, those heavenly conduits of divine grace, to live and die in the communion of the saints, etc. Ah, blessed are the people who have the Lord for their God. Psalm 43. Consider fifthly, Christian soul, whoever thou art, the particular providence of God towards thee, with how many graces he hath prevented thee from thy tender years, from how many misfortunes he has preserved thee. Has he not borne with thee for a long time, whilst others have been cut off in their sins? Are there not millions now actually burning in hell for lesser sins than thou hast committed? Reflect on the advantages thou hast received above thousands, what conveniences of life, what friends, what health, etc., while so many more worthy than thyself have been abandoned to want and misery. I admire the unspeakable goodness of thy God to thee. Be astonished and confounded at thy past ingratitude. Resolve from henceforth never to cease giving him thanks and blessing his holy name. Fourth day, on the dignity and obligation of a Christian. Consider first, that every Christian by nature, and inasmuch as he is a man, is the most perfect of all visible creatures, endowed with understanding and reason, composed of a body whose structure is admirable, and of a spiritual and immortal soul, created to the image and likeness of God, and capable of eternal enjoyment of Him, enriched with a free will, and advanced by His Creator to the dignity of Lord and Master of all other creatures though not designed to meet with his happiness in any of them, but in the Creator alone. Ah, my soul, hast thou hereth too been sensible of the dignity of thy nature? Hast thou not too often, like brute beasts, looked no further than this earth, viz. present material and sensible things? Hast thou not too often made thyself a slave to creatures, which were only made to serve thee? Consider, secondly, that every Christian by grace, and inasmuch as he is a Christian, has been, by the sacrament of baptism, advanced to the participation of the divine nature, 
made the adopted child of God, heir of God, and co-heir with Christ. He has been made the temple of the Most High, consecrated by the sprinkling of the blood of Christ and the unction of his grace, and received at the same time an unquestionable rights and title to an everlasting kingdom. A Christian soul, hast thou ever yet entertained a serious thought of the greatness of the dignity to which thou hast been raised at baptism? How has thy life corresponded with this dignity? O child of heaven, how long wilt thou be a slave to the earth? Consider thirdly, that as the dignity of a Christian is very great, so also are the obligations that attend this dignity greater than the generality of Christians imagine. These obligations are briefly comprised in our baptismal engagements. The first condition upon which we were adopted into God's family by baptism was that of faith. The minister of Christ examined us at the font upon every article of our belief, and to each interrogation we answered by the mouths of our godfathers and godmothers. Credo, I do believe. What has thy faith been, O my soul? Has it been conformable to this, thy profession? Has it been firm without wavering? Has it been generous, so as not to be ashamed of the doctrine of thy heavenly master, or the maxims of his gospel? Has it shown itself in thy actions? Or hast thou not been of the number of those whose life gives the lie to their faith, of whom the apostle complains, Titus 1.16, who make profession of knowing God, but deny him by their works? Consider fourthly, that at our baptism we made a solemn renunciation of the devil, and all his works, and all his pomps, have we ever seriously reflected upon this renunciation, or do we rightly understand the obligations of it? And yet our title to the inheritance of our Heavenly Father is forfeited the moment we are false to this sacred engagement. Ah, my soul, if thou hast renounced Satan, take care that in the practice of thy life thou keep far from him. Take care thou be no longer his slave by sin. Fly from all his works, the works of darkness, let him henceforth find nothing in thee that he may claim for his own, and by means of which he may also lay claim to thee. Despise his vain pomps, the false appearance of worldly grandeur, the prodigality, the vanity, and sinful amusements by which he allures poor worldlings into his net. And if at any time thou art invited to take part in these fooleries, repeat to thyself those words of St. Augustine. What hast thou to do with the pomps of the devil, which thou hast renounced? Consider fifthly, that at baptism each of us, according to the ancient ceremony of the Catholic Church, was clothed with the white garment, which the minister of Christ gave us with these words, Receive this white garment, which thou shalt carry without spot or stain, before the judgment seat of Christ. Happy those souls that comply with this obligation. What a comfort will it be to them in life! What a joy and satisfaction in death! To have kept this robe of innocence undefiled! But, O oh, baptismal innocence, where shall we find thee in this unhappy age? O oh, blindness and stupidity of the children of Adam, that part so easily with so immeasurable a treasure! Alas, my poor soul, has it not been thy misfortune? O oh, make haste then to wash away with penitential tears 
those dreadful stains of sin which must otherwise become the eternal fuel of hell's merciless flames fifth day on the vanity of the world consider first those words of the wisest of men ecclesiastes one vanities of vanities all is vanity and reflect how truly vain are all those things which deluded worldlings pursue with so much eagerness honors riches and worldly pleasures are all but painted bubbles which look at a distance as if they were something but have nothing of real substance in them and instead of solid content and joy bring nothing with them but a trifling momentary satisfaction followed by cares uneasiness apprehensions and remorse ah bubbles indeed at which their admirers no sooner offer to grasp but they dissolve into air and leave their hands empty oh how justly were all worldly enjoyments compared by the royal prophet to a dream psalm seventy five they have slept out their short sleep and when they awoke they found nothing in their hands of all those things which in their dream they seemed to possess o oh, ye sons of men how long will you be in love with vanity and run after lies psalm four consider secondly that saying of st augustine thou hast made us o lord for thyself and our hearts cannot rest till they find rest in thee and reflect that our great creator has given us a noble soul made to his own image and like him spiritual and immortal which therefore can never find its happiness in earthly and fading things no my soul thou hast an understanding and a will capable of contemplating the sovereign beauty and sovereign truth and of enjoying the one supreme infinite good and whatever is less than he is not worthy of thee ah resolve then no longer to fatigue thyself and waste away thy spirits in running like a child after butterflies but since thou canst not be without seeking for happiness seek it in the name of god where it is to be found viz in the way of virtue and devotion and not in the bypaths which lead to endless misery consider thirdly the shortness of all worldly enjoyments the days of man are very short the longest life is less than a moment when compared with eternity a thousand years in the sight of god the very truth are but as yesterday that is past and gone psalm eighty nine alas does not daily experience convince us that we are here to-day and gone to-morrow and no sooner out of sight but also of mind for as soon as we are in the grave those that we leave behind think no more of us all flesh is grass says the prophet isaiah chapter ten and all the glory of it like that of the flower of the field which flourishes in the morning and fades in the evening oh how truly is frivolous life compared by st james chapter four to a vapor or a thin smoke which is dispersed by the first puff of wind and no more seen how justly is it compared by solomon wisdom chapter five to a shadow or to the flight of a bird upon a wing or an arrow shot from a bow which leaves no mark of its passage behind ah how vain then it is to fix our hearts upon what we must so shortly leave behind us consider fourthly 
what has now become of all the great ones of this world, those mighty monarchs, gallant generals, wise statesmen, celebrated beauties, etc., which made so conspicuous a figure an hundred years ago. Alas, they are all long since gone, that now few or none ever think of them, or scarce know whether any such persons ever existed. Just so it will be with us a few years hence. Ah, worldlings, give ear for one moment to those who are gone before you, and who from their silent monuments, where the remainder of their dust lies mingled with the common earth, call upon you in the words of the wise men. Ecclesiastes 38. Remember what we are come to. It will soon be the same with you. It was our turn yesterday. It will be yours today. We once had our parts to act upon the stage of the world. We once were young, strong, and healthy, as you now are, and thought as little as you of what we are now come to. Like you, we set our hearts upon trifles and toys, which we could but enjoy for a moment, and for these we neglected eternity. Senseless wretches as we were, we chose to be slaves to a cheating world, to inconstant perishable creatures, which abandon us so soon, rather than serve that Lord and Master to whom nothing dies, and who neither in life nor death ever forsakes those who forsake not him. O Christian, let us take this warning, let miscarriages of so many others teach us wisdom, let us not set our hearts on this miserable world, nor look upon anything as truly great, but what is eternal. End of Days 3, 4, and 5